Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Hey, how you guys doing? All right, so good to see you today. Thank you for coming to Freedom Church. You guys are the loudest because you got the most sleep, and uh, God anointed you with caffeine, so that's a good thing, all right? All right, so, so glad you're here. If you're here for your first time, thank you. We call you VIPs because you're a very important person because Jesus gave his life for you, and so we're so glad you're here. Let's give some love to those who's watching online right now. A lot of people watch online, all right? So... Last week, uh, I was continuing the series. I've been doing a series since Easter called Overwhelmed because I don't know about you, but in life, we all get overwhelmed. How many of you ha- get overwhelmed at times? Raise your hand. All right. That's all of us. That happens in life because life hits us sometimes in circumstances we don't understand and, and things that takes place. So with that being said, last week, I talked about how that I use sticky notes a lot. And sticky notes, my wife reminds me of things that's going on and things that's going on with ministry, and it's very important uh, because if I don't, I like to drop the ball on something. Now, a lot of people, you might use your phone, and I use my phone for reminders and things like that. But I love sticky notes because you can stick the sticky note right on my monitor, especially my office, and I don't have to worry about forgetting it. So last week I talked about being obsessed or confess. Whether you're on the left side of the cross and you have not come to faith in Christ yet, or you're on the right side of the cross. We all deal with overwhelming circumstances, but there's a misconception with people a lot of times that that they think that people that come to faith in Christ, that life is easy. That's just not true. People on the right side of the cross, that's given their lives across, they bow the knee to Jesus, they have their name written in the book, in his book in heaven for reservations. They deal with life, but here's where you're at. You get obsessed with something or you confess something is what it boils down to. And even on being a Christian, you get obsessed with the circumstances and situations and, and overwhelming things in life, and it will just consume you. Or you can confess it to God, meaning that I'm going to agree with God. I don't have it together. I'm going to carry it to God. And so you guys carried a lot of things to the crosses here last week. You've laid it at the foot of Jesus, and that's where I want to challenge you to leave it there because God's going to do a miracle for him. So let's give God praise for those that were bold to come to the cross last week and bring things to God. So today, I want to take a step further. When you think about sticky notes, uh, there are things that we do uh, like these things. We don't want to be reminded of these things. So you're taking them to Jesus. But today, I want to remind you of something as we continue in the book of Daniel of things that are really, really important. Now, there's some things, though, I don't want to be reminded of. I don't want to be reminded to take out the trash. How many of you guys here, you don't like it when, you're, when your wife reminds you to take out the trash? Are you with me here? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Or they remind you of some kind of honeydew. I mean, I don't like getting reminded about honeydews. And so I try to stay on top of things in that. But one thing my wife continually reminds me of is when I come in the door, she always says, did you lock the door, honey? I said, no, I left it open so we can get robbed. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) She all the time telling me things like that. Uh, But anyway, there are things in our lives that you don't want to be reminded of. But today I want to talk about a few things that you need to be reminded of that's really, really important. So... Here's where I'll go with this. If you're here today and, and you're a Christian, you lean in on this. If you're not a Christ follower yet, you can lean out on this for a moment. You might check your emails on your phone just for a minute. But anyway, if you're a Christian, you lean in. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter to me how much that you pray or how much Bible that you know. When it comes to being a Christian, there are times in life that you get so overwhelmed that you may doubt God's love for you and you may very well wonder if God really cares about you. Are you with me? How many of you have ever felt like that? You really wondered, does God really care about my situation or does God really love me at all because of what I'm going through? Would you be honest enough and raise your hand? Yes, a lot of you across the auditorium, that that happens to us in life. And it's hard to, to think in our minds when it comes to God's love and you doubt God's love because you say, well, why, why did they doubt God's love? I didn't raise my hand. I think sometimes maybe you've been praying for someone that you love so much. And for whatever reason, God chooses to allow them to go by the way of death. And it leaves a huge hole in your life. 
Maybe there's a situation where you were praying for someone's healing and you wondered, God, why, why didn't you heal them? You're Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who heals. Why didn't you heal them, God? And you might think in your own life, it is something that I did wrong that I didn't have enough faith to pray. Does God even heal anymore? Maybe it's a situation where that we begin to doubt God's love because our circumstances is where that they're out of control. And if, and if God is so good, <laughs> why do you allow this to happen? Just makes you wonder, don't it? Maybe it's a situation where that in your life you may think that God just doesn't love you anymore because you came to Christ, you become a Christian, but yet for some reason the sin he saved you from, you keep going back and committing those sins. And you just don't think God even cares or hears your prayer to give you strength to get through and not do the things you used to do. See, life's many overwhelming circumstances can cause anyone to battle whether God is there, God cares, or that God even loves you. Because we face so much in this life. See, here's what we deal with. We deal with feelings. And, and what feelings do? Feelings determine how we think and how that we behave in this life. And our feelings are always are going to be greater than the facts of any given situation. The fact is, friends, I want you to get this, that God loves you. I want you to let this thread in with you today and, and, and let this receive this into your spirit. What gets our attention ultimately determines our direction. Did you hear that? What gets our attention ultimately will determine our direction. If you live obsessed with stressful situations in life, I promise you, friend, you're going to be constantly overwhelmed. But when you get obsessed with Jesus, those things can dissipate because you become an overcomer in Christ. Today, as we continue looking at the book of Daniel that I began on Easter, in the first four chapters of Daniel, what we notice is, is that God uses Daniel and his three friends here to get the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Neb, he could not escape God because God was pursuing him and God loved King Nebuchadnezzar. And Neb finally acknowledged that God was the one true God. So today, I hope and pray that you go on this journey with me for a few moments of how that God reminds us of his great love for each of us in our lives, despite whatever you're going through, friends. First and foremost, he reminds us of his love through creation. Now, when you think about creation, my wife, Shannon, and I love to travel. And prior to COVID, that's something we did. We raised our girls. We became empty nesters. And we started traveling in our off time. And man, we love to travel the world. We were blessed to go all over the world. And, and we're hoping and praying that that's going to open back up when this COVID thing is done. But man, we traveled the world. And, and the more that we traveled, here's what we realized is the bigger that God is. You see what I'm saying? Whenever I began to go across the world and I would see different things, my vision and my view of God increased. And then as it did, I found that my worry and my stress would decrease because I realized that God was so much bigger than me. God was a great big God. I realized that what was over my head was under God's feet, you see. It was his footstool. And it was such a great view of God. And I think about King Nebuchadnezzar here. King Nebuchadnezzar, think about the size and the scope of his empire. No doubt King Nebuchadnezzar traveled a lot. And no doubt he realized the world was much bigger than he was. And think about this for a moment. King Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't like today when wars would break out. Today, if war breaks out between countries, they sign these executive orders, they get it passed, and these colonels and generals, they go in and they lead the army, the actual president or whatever that country doesn't go but in this day and time the king led the charge and he would go about leading them into battle and they would go about expanding their empire and there's no doubt that king nebuchadnezzar got a great big view of god and no doubt he was reminded that there was someone out there that's much bigger than he was i love how that psalm 19 verses 1 through 4 expresses the heavens and god's expanse beauty it says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. 
The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words all to all, to all the world. God has made himself obvious through creation. Take a look at this moon here. When I see this moon in the pic here, man, that is amazing. When you see a moon at night, doesn't that make you think about how big God really is? Doesn't that make you think that there's something much bigger than you and I? I love this next pic here. Some of you might know this pic. I'm not sure if you will. How many of you can guess what that place is there? Well, the mountain in the background is Mount Vesuvius in Italy. The place there is Pompeii. Several years ago, Shannon and I were privileged to go there, and we walked through this old Roman city of Pompeii. In 79 AD, Pompeii erupted and covered Mount Vesuvius. Ashes covered Pompeii, and it just basically froze the city in time underneath there. There were bodies that they seen after that that was just still um, it's like crystallized there, and it was incredible. But they unearthed this when they found it many years later. And we walked through it, and I realized as I walked through these streets of Pompeii, how big God was with the great big mountain of Mount Vesuvius. This next picture right here, you have to believe in creation when you see a picture like this. Are you with me, church? This is one of my seven grandchildren. This is Maggie. And I'm telling you, when you see a face of a baby and you doubt that God created it, listen, you need to rethink what you're thinking. I'm telling you right now, it's amazing to see the beautiful face of a baby. And their attitude starts even from there. This is my grandson Arden, this next picture. Their attitude starts right out of the gate. I'm telling you, that's what they do. But you think about the creation of God. Only God could create such a beautiful child. Think about this next picture. God is a great creator, and I'm very thankful for him. And this next one, I'm telling you, God is a wonderful, merciful God that rescued me from that nasty taste in Folgers and Maxwell House. If you still drink it, that's just fine. You just keep drinking it. But I know God is a designer. And God designed this type of coffee for me to enjoy and to wake up to. And I enjoy it. God is the designer of all things. And that might be funny there, but here's what I want you to listen to me closely. Design by nature implies there has to be a designer. Design by nature implies there has to be a designer. Now, it's like here, right here at this table, these right here are fresh cupcakes, man. Let me just, and you know what? These cupcakes right here were designed by my daughter, Chloe. And let me just, I bumped one there. Oh, I bumped one there. Man, I tell you what, man, these things right here, I want you to take a look at this, man. You're talking about good right here. My, my Chloe, my youngest daughter, she used to have a cupcake business called Chloe's Cupcakes. And she would sell these things right here. They would cost at least a couple of three bucks each. And you're thinking, you give that much? Let me tell you something. If you take and ate one of these cupcakes right here and you bit into it, it would make a Lutheran praise the Lord in church out loud. <laughs> it's that good. Matter of fact, I'm going to give one away to the first person to get that cupcake right there. And I ain't wait one, two, three. Oh, look, boy. I... Mm. Look at there, man. That's a smart boy right there. Now, I'm telling you what. But here's the point. When you think about these cupcakes and how good they are, and I'm going to put them back in here because I'm going to eat the rest of them. But anyway, those cupcakes were designed by my daughter, Chloe. Now, she don't have her cupcake business anymore. She's not making cupcakes. She had to quit making cupcakes because her and Jared are busy making grandbabies for me. So that's a great, great thing, and I praise Jesus for that. But I think about cupcakes from people thinking that this world here somehow was created by accident. Now, these cupcakes couldn't have not been, but if you think the world was created by accident, 
How many of you here have ever felt that way or you knew someone that said the world was created by accident? Raise your hand. It's okay. Raise your hand. Yes, people raise their hands across all the time. They think it's, but if that's the case, if you think that, that the world could have been created by accident or some kind of explosion, then I'm going to make some cupcakes that way. How about that? Is that okay? I'm going to make some cupcakes if you've ever believed that the world had to have been created by some kind of an explosion. Here we go. Get ready to do this here. Oh, my goodness. Please do not put this on social media. Oh, my goodness. Let me see here. I try. Let me all have trouble tying behind your back. Here we go. Let me see here. So anyway, if, if you believe that it could have been created by accident, then maybe, just maybe, I tell you what, this is hard to do. I might have to get somebody to come out here and do this for me. Let me try it one more time. All right. Here we go. I think I've got it. Rabbit loop left and right. Okay, anyway. So anyway, if I was going to make some cupcakes, then you've got to have all the ingredients, right? So we've got to start off with some milk. There we go. Whole milk, too. Don't get that skim stuff, man, if you're going to make cupcakes. That's not good. And uh, we need eggs, right? So we need a couple eggs. And we need butter, right? And then, man, 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 we need some good old all-purpose flour, right? Let's get the flour in there. We're going to make a lot of cupcakes, man, a lot of cupcakes. And then... If you're going to, there's, there's another ingredient you got to have. I mean, you got to have whole cane sugar, right? Right? Everybody, you, you good with me? We don't, we got to have whole, wholesome sugar on me. Anyway, but then I want to make chocolate, chocolate cupcakes, right? So here we go. Man, you got to have good, rich chocolate. Now, if you think that the world here was created by chance or by some kind of explosions, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to create an explosion, and, not, and we'll just see if we have any cupcakes after this. Got to have a lighter here, so see if we can get some, make some cupcakes. I got a question. How many of you believe there's cupcakes in here? Would you raise your hand? If you believe there's cupcakes in here, I have some swampland I want to sell you in Arizona. Okay? And some of you are thinking, well, when it come to the world and the Big Bang Theory and explosion, it took time over a period of time. Let me say this. I can set this over here on the stage, and you come back tonight and see if there's any cupcakes. As a matter of fact, how about you come back about 10 years from now and see if there's any cupcakes in there. I don't think you're going to find any cupcakes in there because design implies by nature that when something is designed, it has a designer that designs it. It, and so here's what I want to tell you. God has created you and I. He's our designer. He's created a great design in you. He wants you to be able to bring him honor and glory and live out the purpose for which God has brought you into this life because God's our designer, church. Come on now. Look at Lamentations in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. The next time that you see a sunrise, it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. The next time that you see a flower blooming and you lean down and smell of the wonderful God-given fragrance, it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. The next time that you're privileged to hold a brand new baby and it's sleeping in your arms, you touch the beautiful soft skin on its face. It is a reminder of God's faithfulness in my life and in yours. God is so much bigger than we can ever imagine. How in the world can we handle anything we go through without him? So it's a reminder of his love, his creation, something else is the people we meet. It's the people we meet in this life. Shannon and I, um, my wife, I remember when I was young, I, I, I grew up in church and I was, I was privileged to. When I was 12 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. I was born again. 
By the time I was 18 and I got out of school, I had gotten with the wrong people over a period of years. And long story short, I found myself sitting in jail. And I began to pray two prayers. I said, God, if you'll get me out of the mess I've got myself in, I'll do anything you want me to. And I said, second to that, if you'll get, send me a good woman that I can marry and love and serve, we'll have a family. And I said, I'll raise my family in church. I'll do anything you want me to, God, if you'll help me. Well, I got out of the jail and I kept praying the prayer over a period of about four years. And then one day I was driving in my 1975 Triumph Spitfire car with the top down. And this girl wheels up beside me and sticks her head out the window and says, take me for a ride. And it was Shanda and her cousin. So when they walked up to the car, Shanda said, no, I'm getting in first. Her cousin's going to sit on the other side. So I took them for a ride. I thought, they're just interested in my car. A lot of girls are interested in my car. They weren't interested in me. So I took them for a ride. And you know, I went home. And, but next thing you know, oh, oh, uh, just right after that, I'm at this party at the country club. And I hear this girl hollering my name. And I walked over to the car. And it was Shanda in her car. And unbeknowing that she was only calling me over to the car to make another guy jealous that she was wanting to go out with. Okay. So anyway, with that being said, I ended up asking her to go out on a day date the next day on Sunday. And so after church, we went out on a day date and got to know each other. And that next Saturday night, we went out on our first date. And within three months, I knew she was the one God had just to, had to convince her. And in three months, I asked her to marry me and she says, no. So then I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do, God. I mean, I know, I believe you don't make mistakes. And and I know she's the one, so after that, she was torn between two lovers, feeling like a fool. Anyway, there was a guy coming over the army, and she was torn between me and him. Well, next thing you know, she let me know that if I'd ask her again, she would marry me. So after meeting her a year later, we got married on September 16th, 1989 at 6.30 o'clock in the evening. And this coming September 16th, she and I are going to be married 32 years. We have three beautiful daughters and three scraggly leg son-in-laws, and um, now I love them. They're awesome, and our seventh grandchild is on the way. But here's let me let me tell you that I told you that story to tell you this: you have never met a person by accident. It just doesn't happen. You know, every relationship that you have passes through the hands of our almighty God. Think about King Nebuchadnezzar and what we're talking about today. The most powerful man at that time in the world. He was the world's ruler. He was the dictator. He was the most powerful of the empire. Yet in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel begins a relationship. King Nebuchadnezzar begins a relationship with Daniel and his three friends that were there to be slaves to serve in his court. We take a look that, that the example and the influence that these guys had on the king is incredible. We see how in chapter 2, how that Daniel reinterprets his dream and does the impossible. We see how that, we know that how King Nebuchadnezzar watched in chapter 3, how that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they defied the king's furnace, overcoming insurmountable circumstances. And no doubt, King Nebuchadnezzar was impacted so much by that moment and that situation that he said in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 29, there's no other God who can rescue like this. See, when I look at people that God puts in my life, it reminds me that he can take more, take better care of me than I could ever care for myself. That God can do amazing things for the purpose and why I live and why I breathe. And I'm on this earth still vertically walking around. When God called me in the ministry in August of 1997, I was headed down the traditional path that I was on. There's nothing wrong with traditional. Traditional path and traditional church. It's just, that's the direction I was going. That's what I knew. I, was, I wore a suit and tie every time I preached hellfire and brimstone. That's what I knew. That's what I grew up with, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then all of a sudden, after I'm called into the ministry, I go to school and I begin to learn ministry and how to do ministry well for the Lord. 
And then I read a book called Purpose Driven Church by Dr. Rick Warren. You may have heard of Purpose Driven Life. This is the one he wrote before that. And then when we did, my wife and I read together, God put on our hearts to call us to start a church. Well, I'd never known anything about starting a church. And, and so I was already in youth ministry at my home church. We went to youth ministry there for a couple of years. And, and then next thing you know, as I'm reading this book, I feel God touching my heart to start a church. And I tell my pastor about it. And he looked at me how a dog looks at you when someone whistles. Woo! He did not understand me wanting to start a church when churches didn't have a pastor. And I thought, well, that's odd. If I, I'm a common sense guy, but common sense is too common. If I was supposed to be pastor, one of the churches didn't have a pastor, wouldn't they have called me? I never received a phone call from them. So that summer after I left and we went up to Fairview General Baptist Church up by in Smith Grove, Kentucky, Smith Grove, Kentucky, up around Mammoth Cave, we went up there and, and I began to pastor that church as an interim. And then this was, this was taking place. And, and then by that fall, next thing I knew... Uh, they wanted me to be their full-time, part-time pastor. I was a bivocational. But that summer, we had went to our worldwide organization where they meet together, and we heard about this guy's name named Ron Bird, and we tried to follow him around everywhere we went, but every time we went, he was always talking about somebody. He was a national missions director. They start churches on stateside. Never got to talk to the man. So by the very time in December that we didn't hear what God was doing, we thought, God, where are you? Are you silent? Are you not telling us something? Have you forgot about your wanting us to start this church? So we accepted the Bible situation up in Kentucky. The very week that I accepted it there in December of 2000, next thing I know, a week later, a guy calls me named Jeff Toms and says, hey, we got your name somehow that you are wanting to start a church. We want you to meet with me and this other guy. So who's the other guy? Ron Bird. So Shannon and I go to meet with Ron Bird there, and we met in February of 2001. And when we did, I said, if it's of God, I will know to do it. But I said, this church is loving me and my family, and I'm enjoying where I'm at. I came home, and when I came home, I wrote down all kinds of stuff on sticky notes. God woke me up in the wee hours of the morning and said, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it. So I ended up having to go back to the leadership of the church and say, I'm sorry, gentlemen, but God's calling me to plant a church, and I can't get out of it. That's what I'm called to do. And you know what they did? They loved me. And they said, we only want you to do what God wants you to do. They even supported us financially. So I stayed at that church till August of 2001. And in February, we met with two other couples, six of us. And we met around a table, began to dream and strategize about the church. By fall, after I had left that church there and stayed a full year with them, by September 2001, we had 30-something adults with the church. Uh, to, to start with, and we ended up starting the church after several meetings in Hendersonville High School, March 3rd, 2002, had 159 people. Praise God, that's what happened, and I, didn't, I had no idea that that's what God was going to do. And, and some of you might be thinking, you know, what, what's all that got to do with? This church started then, and I stand here today to tell you that over 2,000 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ through this ministry. That's what God's up to. You've never met a person by accident. You've never met a person that you just walked up and you seen. Listen, I didn't happen to be born to, to be the second son of Lloyd and Ruth Somerville, to happen to go to church my entire life growing up, to be able to give my life to Jesus Christ and hear the gospel, and one day stand here and be humbled by the fact that I get to serve you as your pastor. You never meet people by accident. Psalm 52 in the last part of 8 says, I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I bet if you look back on your life and you look at who's impacted your spiritual journey, people's names will begin to pop in your mind. That person that was there for you when your life was falling apart. That person that was there for you when you were going through the toughest time you ever faced in your life. The person that stood by you when everybody else was walking out of your life. That person that kept bugging you about coming to church and you ended up coming to church and now you have God's peace in your heart because you know his son is your savior. God has offered his own presence 
And he's offered other people to walk with us no matter what we're going through in this life. There's no relationship that we have is accidental. God uses people in our lives to remind us of his love, that he loves us, and that he's going to go with us through all things that we face. God's creation reminds us of that. God's people that he puts in our lives remind us of that. But also, God reminds us of this by the circumstances that we go through in life. Let me ask this question. How many grandparents we have here in the audience? Raise your hand real high. Man, they're sticking them hands up like, yeah, boy, yeah, I'm a grandparent. The, the, the parents, they're just thinking, I can't hardly lift my hand. I was up all night last night. You know, my kid kept me out. Anyway, um, can we agree that kids, grandkids change us? Would you agree with that with me, grandparents? You say, what do you mean? We allow them to do things we'd never let our kids do. I mean, man, if, if your grandchild comes to you and it's bedtime and they're going to spend the night with you and they say, Grandpa, Grandma, can I have a popsicle? Yeah, you can have a popsicle. Here, you can have take an extra one there. You can, have, you can have three if you want. You don't care. You'll let them eat popsicles at bedtime. If they come into your house, I wouldn't let my kids jump on the bed. But if my grandkids comes in, they won't jump on the bed. I say, that's your trampoline. Let me show you another trampoline in this bedroom. Let me show you another trampoline in this bedroom. I show them all that. That's what we do as grandparents. I'm telling you. And here Here's the funniest thing. When I grew up, it wasn't like that. I mean, you had to do what mom and dad said, but grandparents are a little bit different. Here's the funniest thing. When I was growing up and when I was raising my children and my girls, the remote always went in dad's hand. There was no ifs, ands, and buts. You don't come home from school and take over the TV that I pay the bill on and tell me what you're going to watch on TV. We're going to watch what we want to watch. If you don't like it, that's tough. Then all of a sudden, I have all these grandkids coming in. Can we watch Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse, Moose Cow, Miss Cow, Mickey Mouse? We watch it a hundred times. I will never watch it when they come over. Because <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, grandkids will change your life. You go from being single to married, it changes you, doesn't it? You go from being no kids and being married. I mean, having kids, it changes you. You're getting older and you get aches and pains. It, it changes you. You move to a new area. It changes you. You lose your job. It changes you. Everything that happens in life changes us. That's good or whether it's bad. It's impossible to remain unchanged by the circumstances that you and I go through in our lives. King Neb, he went through changes as well. You say, what do you mean? Well, he met these Israelite slaves that changed his life, we read in the first chapter. He has a disturbing dream in chapter 2 that caused him to doubt and not trust anyone around him. But yet Daniel came through. We look in chapter 3 and we, he has an eyewitness miracle, King Neb does, of how that the fiery furnace here made him think that there is one true God. Look what it says in Daniel 4, beginning with verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people everywhere, race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. <laughs> wow. How great are his signs. How powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever. His rule through all generations. See, God uses circumstances to get our attention. Sometimes the circumstances are good ones. Sometimes the circumstances are bad ones. But God will always use it. For our good in our life. I said earlier, I've been in ministry over two decades now. And throughout this time, I've talked to a lot of people in ministry and people we've ministered to, and they've told me how God got their attention. I've had people tell me when they heard those three words, I've got cancer, God got my attention. I've heard people say that whenever the officer showed up at my door to serve me divorce papers, God got my attention. God got our attention whenever our firstborn was going to be born because we knew it wasn't about us any longer. God got my attention. God got my attention when I lost the job that I thought I would keep for the rest of my life and take care of my family. God got my attention. And like the time that I sat in a jail cell, personally, God got my attention. 
God uses life-altering situations to get our attention. So the greater good can come in understanding who God is. You may be going through a circumstance right now that's overwhelming you. You may be confused in your mind. You may be frustrating in your entire being. You might feel like that you're alone and nobody cares. I can tell you from personal experience of my own, the painful circumstances that I have went through in this life, when I felt that God was far from me and that God didn't care, oh, trust me, friend, that's when God was the closest to me. And he loved me despite of myself. Whenever you're overwhelmed in a current situation, I personally, I always look back at God's faithfulness in his past for me, in my past and what I've went through. And I know that he's given me strength for the future because God's in my future just waiting for me to get there. And he's waiting for you too, friend, to get there and fulfill the purpose and the very life of which you're living and you're breathing right now. God reminds us of his love through creation. God reminds us of his love through the people that we meet and the circumstances that we go through. But ultimately, you know how God reminds us of his love? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You say, what do you mean? I mean, it's, it's Jesus. And I hope you can wrap your mind around this, but no matter what overwhelming circumstances that I go through, I find freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety whenever I focus on Jesus and I don't focus on what's overwhelming me. And that's my challenge for you, friends. Jesus is greater than what's in your past. Jesus is greater than addiction. Jesus is greater than depression. Jesus is greater than sickness. Jesus is greater than fears. Jesus is greater than financial loss. Jesus is greater than the relational pain you're going through. Jesus is greater than anything you'll ever go through or imagine in your life. Whatever you're facing, Jesus is greater. So listen to me closely what I'm about to tell you. People end up misjudging Jesus because they focus on the faults of his followers. Let me say that again. That a tweet. I don't care what nobody says. We misjudge Jesus holistically because we focus on the faults of Jesus' followers. And that is a huge mistake in your life for your focus. That's why I want to do my best to direct your full attention onto the person of Jesus Christ. That is revealed in the scripture that instead of the behavior of the saints of God, we focus too much on the saints' behavior. When Jesus finds you, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus was never lost. When Jesus finds you, you can't stay the same. You'll be changed no matter what happens in life. When you meet Jesus in your heart, you're never going to remain the same. Think about going back to chapter 3 of Daniel. Look what it says here about King Nebuchadnezzar. It said, But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors once again, Kings didn't jump up in that day and time. That was taboo. Not of that culture, but he did. He says, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty. We certainly did. They replied, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. His focus was on the fourth man. But after he saw Jesus, he made the declaration there in the first three verses of chapter 4, he has another dream that freaks him out because he didn't keep his full attention on Jesus. He has this dream. Only Daniel can interpret it. Matter of fact, it says here, I want you to understand it, in, in Daniel chapter 4, in verse 24 through verse 26, this is, it says, this is what the dream means. Here, Daniel's interpreted it to him. He says, your majesty and what the Most High has declared will happen to you. He says, you will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of the time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High 
rules over kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you learn that heaven rules. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is the verse we're picking up here in, in your outline here. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, basically he's saying, here, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do whatever is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps, even if you make these changes, then you will continue to prosper. Now, what happens 12 months later? Nebuchadnezzar it says here but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon as he looked out across the city he said just look at this great city of Babylon I by my own mighty power have built this beautiful city as my royal residence and as an expression of my royal splendor I, I, I. What's the center letter of the word sin? While he was still speaking these words, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way. Until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. When Jesus gets your attention, like Jesus got Nebuchadnezzar's attention there in the Old Testament as the fourth man in the fire, remember. What gets your attention will ultimately determine your direction. So after this come to pass, listen what it goes on to say of what King Nebuchadnezzar realized to keep his attention on. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned. And I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. And I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true and he is able to humble the proud. King Nebuchadnezzar became a man who had been totally wrecked by the true God who loved him enough to reveal himself to the king through his creation through the people he met through the circumstances he went through and ultimately king of heaven Jesus what Jesus do show us how much he loves us I think Romans 5 and 8 spells it out as about as clear as you can ever read it and hopefully experience it through salvation. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die on an old cross for us while we were still sinners. Sinner, you missed the mark. You don't have to miss the mark anymore. Jesus is proof that God loves you and that God loves me and has a plan and a purpose for our lives.
He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will go with you even to the end of this world. You cannot escape his love. So never doubt his love or that he cares for you or that he's ultimately always there for you. I love how the Apostle Paul illustrates in his words about his love in the Passion Translation in Roman 8. It says, so now I live with the confidence that there's nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in, in the heavens. There's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There's no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, as we come in your presence, in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus, our Savior, we thank you, God, that you do love us despite of ourselves, that even in the most hurtful, overwhelming circumstances in life, that, God, there's a temptation to doubt your love. There's a temptation to say that you don't care. There's a temptation to say that you're not there for us, God. God, forgive us whenever we have those sinful thoughts. God, I want to pray for every soul here under the sound of my voice that may be watching across the feed of these cameras, those who are physically in this auditorium. I pray, God, for them right now, God, as they face these situations, God, that they know you are true and faithful and you're always there. As we continue to pray, how many of you here, I just want you to be as real right now with God as you can be, because we're human, but we want to chase after the heart of God. How many of you here would lift your hand and say, man, I have just been so many times, I really didn't think God cared about me, that God didn't love me, and I just want to let him know that I'm sorry, and I want to seek his face from this point forward. Would you just lift your hand real high, real high, God bless you, God bless you, anyone else, just lift your hand real high, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. God bless you. Would you pray to him right now and say, God, I'm sorry that I ever doubted you. I want to be here for you like you've always been here for me. And pour out your circumstances to him and say, God, I'm not going to obsess over these things. I'm going to leave them at your feet. Father, right now, God, as these are praying and I'm praying with them, God, I pray and thank you for their vulnerable vulnerability just lift your hand and say god I'm, I'm struggling in areas of my life i pray god if they're struggling god in their life spiritually emotionally physically professionally financially whatever it is god i pray god that you're just going to pour your love on them god through the power of your spirit and let them know that you're a forgiving merciful god but you're going to be there for them i pray god they're going to stand tall and say god i'm going to be there for you my great god find me faithful Great is your faithfulness to me. Let me be faithful to you. I need your strength. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you've doubted God's love so much you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. And right now he's convicting you in your heart. Whenever you feel that state of conviction, it's the love of God wanting to come in and he's wanting to be your savior and he's wanting to lead you through this life because it's tough alone try to ever get through this life but God wants you to lead you through this life he wants to be the one that's going to walk with you and never leave you if you've never given your life to Jesus this morning this is your moment to make an altar right where you're at if he's touching your heart right now just open your heart to him and say Lord Jesus I want to invite you into my life I don't want to do this life alone anymore without you I believe in you. Tell him that because you feel his presence touching your life. I believe in you, God. 
I want to confess all my sins to you, the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. Tell them, say, I want to know you. I want you to save me. I want you to go with me from this day forward. I don't want to be by myself. Save me, God, my life. It's yours. Truly prayed that from the depths of your soul and you feel that peace enter your being that English words cannot comprehend and you can't even say it. Thank him for that as he gives you the presence of his spirit. And I want you to be sure to let us know that because this is the beginning of the best journey you can ever imagine because your journey is forever with God. Father, thank you for what you've done in our midst right now. I pray the divine power of your spirit be upon each one, God, and bless them richly and immensely as they take their next steps in you. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. And all of God's people say, amen. Let's give him praise, church, all right? Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out uh, on our connection card that you receive Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what He has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5 and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.